We are in our series on Jonah, and we saw that he was uh, running from God, and the danger of running from God, and then we looked at how he was uh, a life connecting with another life is what uh, we need to be doing, and uh, how we need to connect properly with others, and are the people in our boats better off because we are there, the people that are um, in your circle of influence. And this morning, we're going to look at Jonah chapter 2, Jonah chapter 2, Jonah's I'm going to read verse 17 of chapter 1. It says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this, this chance to gather. We thank you for your word. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts to come and receive communion, Lord, I pray that you would just open our minds and our hearts and remove any distractions that we would see and be helped by your word. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We all like a good fish story. Fish stories are everywhere. A couple uh, years ago, we were up at uh, Rockford Fishing, and I had, uh, I'm not a huge fisherman, um, but we have people in our family who like to fish a lot. And so we're up there fishing, and I had a bass coming in, and I was uh, reeling it in, reeling it in, and its head came up. This thing was huge. Uh, I, I got it right to the edge, and then I, it kind of slipped off, and I reached down to grab it, and I missed it um, by that much. But had I pulled that thing out, that thing would have been this big. Uh, I guarantee you, this thing was huge. It would have been just huge. Uh, that is we love fish stories. You know why we like fish stories? Fish stories, especially if you're telling them, fish stories are stories that are told because those who tell them uh, know that the other people weren't there to see it. They weren't there for the reality of the situation. And in Jonah chapter 2, it's really not about the fish. But it's a fish story. And the question I want us to ask this morning is, is your life, Telling a fish story, or is it faithfully following God? Is your life telling a fish story? Is it demonstrating what you really believe and who you really are? And is it faithfully following 
God. Jonah chapter 2, it changes. The whole passage changes from a lot of action in Jonah chapter 1. And then everything just seems to slow down in Jonah chapter 2. And this chapter, this part of the story, it shines a light on the cost of running from God and the gift of repentance to return. I mean, this is a true fish story. You know, things capsize. I mean, Jonah is tossed into the water. His life has been pretty much capsized. He's run away from God, run from the presence of God. It has clearly cost him a lot. He's in the middle of the sea, and he's just screaming, helping. We don't know how long he was floating out there before the fish came to get him. But things capsize. And just a couple weeks, a couple days ago, actually, there's a boat that capsized in Lake Michigan. And the report said they, they, they rescued the people, and they came out, and one of the persons said, you, know, you hear stories about boats capsizing, but you never think it will happen to you. And if Jonah would have been asked a few months earlier, or maybe a year or two earlier, if you would have said, hey, Jonah, are you going to run from God? Are you going to flee the presence from God? Are you going to end up in the sea uh, ready to just to die because you're tired of trying to do it your way and don't want to do it God's way? Jonah would have said he was a prophet of God. He was a follower of God. Jonah would have said, no way. My life, I would never capsize that bad. But he did. And all of us can. And Jonah is two, chapter 2. His prayer is a, is a reminder for us. As Christians, it's a reminder. For some of you, it could be a rescue. Maybe your life is starting to capsize. You're starting to drift away. You don't want to follow where God's calling you to go. It can be a rock for you on which you can stand in the deep waters of the vast ocean of life when, when you're tempted to run from the hard thing God's called you to or when you find yourself in a mess and can't figure out how to get out of it or when you don't understand what God's doing in your life. Jonah chapter 2 is helpful. It's a fish story, but it's really not about the fish. But the question really is, is your life telling a fish story? Or is it faithfully following God? And the way I'm going to help us go through is Jonah, I think, too, gives us, gives us three hooks that we can anchor ourselves to. And I'm going to let the fish tell the story. We're going to look at the fish's problem, the fish's purpose, and the fish's promise. Or really the three things that we need to know to keep our lives from capsizing is we need to realize that we are all and believe we have, just because of our sin, total depravity. But because of what Jesus Christ and God has done for us, extravagant, unmerited grace. And because of that, we can be and receive the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. But the first thing I want to look at, what's the fish's problem? In verse 10, it says, after all this action, it says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And Jonah did not want to end up in this situation. But he's there. He's flailing around in the, the water. He, he, he is desperate. And the Lord speaks to the fish. This fish comes, swallows Jonah up. And then it, three days later, vomited him upon the dry land. There's nothing pretty about vomit. 
And there's just nothing good about vomit. Um, in our family, I'm the vomit guy. Teresa cannot stand the vomit. So whenever there's been an accident in the family, she can do a lot of things. But when it comes to vomit, uh, it's just not her thing. So I'm, all, I'm cleaning up the vomit. I can still remember, um, and maybe you can too, the first time that vomit really got to you. I, I was sitting in second grade class. Uh, a girl named Christina in front of me, um, she vomited all over her desk. And it was on her desk. And I sat there and looked at it until I vomited myself <laughs> afterwards. I'll never forget. Vomit is nothing. There's nothing, nothing pretty about vomit. And even with this fish, it wasn't like the uh, flannel graph story where uh, Jonah's in the fish and all of a sudden he comes out hands kneeling in prayer from the old time Sunday school where it was all clean. Now, the Bible says very graphically that, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah Oh, what was the issue with this fish? There was an inside problem going on with this fish. Jonah's not supposed to be in fish. Humans aren't supposed to be in fish. The in, there was a huge inside problem with this fish that caused him to vomit out Jonah, which ultimately really is pointing to the fact that there's a real big problem inside all of us. Which the Bible says is sin. Inside every one of us is sin. This desire to run from God. Sin is the failure to let God be God in any area of your life. Anytime you don't let God be God, go against what he says, that's sin, which is an inside problem, the Bible says. And he says in verse 8, Jonah said, when he's in the midst of this prayer, which is very much like a psalm, it's a very much a, it sounds a lot like the Psalms, because Jonah would have known the Psalms, and he's praying this prayer. He says, verse 8, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. If you forsake, if you pay regard to vain idols, you, you forsake their hope of steadfast love. That's sin, to pay regard to idols. It's the failure to let God be God, to put something else in God's place is an idol. And our hearts are constantly creating idols. We're, we're constantly, Jonah had all kinds of them. He, he had the idol of laziness. God said, hey, go over here and do this. And Jonah said, that's a hard thing to do. I don't want to do that. I'm going to be lazy and I'm going to run. Jonah had the idol of money. He thought that he could take all his earnings, sell his house, go buy a ticket to Tarshish, and buy that, get what he wants. And he couldn't do it. And Jonah had the idol of pride. Those are just at least three. He thought he was smarter and better than God so he could run. All of us have these idols. And where do these things come from? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 15 that the problem is not outside of us, but the problem is inside of us. Matthew 15 verses 19 and 20 says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unhand washed does not defile anyone. Out of the abundance of the heart, that's where the problem is. Our problem is not your neighbor. Our problem isn't the people on your block or in the workplace. Our problem is us. And it's an inside problem. And down deep inside of us, Jonah was going down, constantly going down, constantly going down. So the weeds were wrapped around his head. He's in this unbelievable mess. Sin had taken a lot of control of Jonah's life. 
The Bible says our sins in Isaiah are like filthy rags to God. It's our natural disposition, though, to sin. It's your natural and my natural disposition to say no to God, to fail to let God be God in our lives. And if you don't recognize that on a regular and consistent basis, even as a follower of Jesus Christ, your life can start to capsize. If you think, you know what, I'm not really that bad. It's not really me that's got the problem. It's everybody else. If you start thinking that way, or you start acting that way, and you forget that the Bible says that it is inside of us is the problem, that we are totally depraved, which means we don't make right choices left to ourselves a thousand times out of a thousand. We will make the wrong choice left to ourselves. We are, doesn't mean we are as bad as we could be. But we are naturally bent to go against what God says. And if you don't think that, or if you start to think, well, it's not as bad as that. I'm really a pretty good guy deep down. I know my heart. The Bible says you don't know your heart. Your heart is desperately wicked. There's a major inside problem that left to itself is just like vomit before God. It's ugly. It's disgusting. We don't like to talk about it. It's an inside problem. Jonah was like this. I mean, he, it, it was a mess all over. It just stunk. And sin stinks before God. Like a t-shirt I saw this week. Old fishermen never die. They just smell that way. When you sin, and when we sin, and we think that that's, it's other people, your life is going to start to capsize. We've got to constantly remember that no, we're, we're sinners to our core. And we desperately need help because those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. John Newton says, but that we are so totally depraved is a truth which no one ever truly learned by being only told about it. But deep down, we actually all know it from our experience. We know we really want to do well, but then by Tuesday, we don't do so well. And one minute, we can be thinking rightly, and the next second, we can see something and think wrongly. That's an inside issue. We've got to constantly realize that this is our natural disposition, and we need help about that. It's, it's experience. We, it's revealed to us, and we need it to be revealed to us. We need to hate sin, and we need to fight against sin. Someone says, I want to hate sin more than I hate the sin of others who sin differently than I do. Because when we see other people sin differently than us, man, we hate it. What jerks. Can you believe that they did that? I would never do that. But once you start regularly thinking that way, you are starting to capsize. Because you have a problem, and I have a problem naturally on the inside. It's an inside problem, which is what the fish's problem was, which is why he vomited Jonah. He had to get, it out, get him out. It wasn't natural to be that way. He needed some help, and so do we. And so the fish's purpose was found, and Jonah says in verse 6, At the root of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God. What was the purpose of the fish? And Jonah's not a good guy in this story. He's a racist, 
angry, running from God. But he says, Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. The fish's whole purpose was to help Jonah become honest about who he was, point him and help him become humble about who he is, but also point him to hope. The fish is unbelievable, extravagant grace on Jonah's life. What Jonah deserved was to die in the sea. That's what he deserved. He, he caused all kinds of, he disobeyed God, he caused all kinds of hate, chaos for the, the sailors. He was the one that was totally guilty, everybody knew it, he was cast in the sea. What Jonah deserved was to die in the sea. But that wasn't God's plan for him. God has unbelievable, extravagant grace for Jonah, and he sends them his great fish. I mean, who does that? A lot of people have fallen in the sea. That's why the sailors were so afraid, because they didn't want to fall into the sea, because they knew if you fall into the sea in a storm like that, you're going to drown. But they pick Jonah up, and they toss him into the sea, and Jonah does not die. He gets picked up by this great fish, because God appointed it to him. It was unbelievable grace on Jonah's life. It was done with very personal attention, just like we need it. We, we have unbelievable grace if you've ever been convicted of sin in your life, if you've ever recognized that, you know what, I'm a sinner and my sin separated me from God and I am depraved and I need some help outside of myself, if you've ever recognized that by once in your life, that's a gift of grace on you. You would never come to that conclusion by yourself. It's God's amazing grace that woke you up and gave you that purpose, just like Jonah. Psalm 139, the psalm that Jonah should have known, that you can't escape God, that you can't go anywhere away from God. God, in his unbelievable grace, shows him, hey, Jonah, I know you so well. And my grace is so perfect, personal for you, that I know you're going to be in water. I'm going to send a great fish. My thoughts about you are continually. And we get so anxious about things. But Matthew chapter 10 tells us even the hairs of our heads are known and numbered by God. That he knows all the birds flying around. And he cares about the birds. And if he cares about the birds, he cares and knows about you. We don't deserve that. We are deeply depraved by our sin. We constantly are looking at other things, other idols in our life. And we constantly are saying no to God. But God, in his unbelievable grace, has given us help in Jesus Christ. And the hook is that you have to remember the unmerited grace of God. It's not what we deserve. But it's unbelievable grace that God offers to us. And as we keep running back to the grace of God, it's going to help us realize that I don't deserve this, but God loves me so much. He's given me grace. He's offering me grace that this is helpful for me. I don't want my life to capsize because I I know what that grace caught him. It's, It's unbelievable, unmerited grace of God. The purpose of the fish was to rescue Jonah, who didn't deserve to be rescued because of his sin. But there was a promise with it. We we were been on vacation the last couple weeks, and we were over at uh, this campground fishing and um, swimming. 
And so part of this campground had these big, giant um, things to jump on outside in the deep water. You know, you can bounce people off of them. And so we were out there, and you had to wear a life jacket to be out there. So I'm out there with Jared and Aaron. We're swimming, and it's pretty deep water. So I, we'd bounce each other off, or I'd bounce them off, and we'd swim back and try to pull yourself up. After a while, it gets very exhausting to try to pull yourself back up. And so Aaron's out there one time, been bounced off, and he'd come up, and he's reaching up to me. Dad! Dad, help me, help me. I reached down and I pulled him up and I pushed him back off because I'm the king of that mountain. That's not what God did for us. The fish's promise in verse 9 says, Jonah says, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This whole fish account, the whole story of Jonah, it points us to another better story. Jesus was greatly grieved. Jesus was abandoned like Jonah was abandoned in the water. Jesus was three days dead because of sin, because of the cross. Jesus experienced, he experienced the full wrath of God. It was innocent, but he was given it. All the things that we deserved was poured out on Jesus for our sin. God, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God didn't pick us up out of the muck of the mire and say, now you work really hard. Because if you don't, I'm going to push you back in. Because I'm the king of this mountain. God didn't do that. God said, you can't get up here with me. So I'm going to reach out to you by sending my son, and I'm going to let him suffer all for you, and I'm going to extend it. You just need to respond in faith and believe, and I will rescue you. But Jesus is going to suffer greatly. Somebody had to pay for the price for our sin. Somebody had to take the account, and Jesus did it all. That's why Jesus said the sign of Jonah was the sign of Jesus. There is a better one than Jonah. And because of that, because of what Jesus Christ did for you, because of what Jesus Christ did for me, we have his imputed righteousness on us. So if you've repented, you've seen Jesus for who he is, you've asked him to rescue you from your sins, God now sees you through the lens of Jesus Christ. He doesn't look at you now as this totally depraved sinner. He looks at you as you've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, as his son, the brother of Jesus. That's how God looks at us now. That's so undeserved. It's the imputed righteousness of God, but that's the promise that we have, that God is for us. He's not against us. Maybe this morning you're like, I, I, I've never seen that. I don't even know if I believe it, but it's true. Jesus Christ loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. You can't fix yourself. But if you'll turn, call to God, say, help me, 
I want to believe. Help my unbelief. A God that would not spare his own son for you, he will call you to himself. He'll draw you to himself and he'll rescue you. Your life and my life does not have to be a fish story. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to act a certain way. We can be absolutely confident as we remember that we are sinners, that we have unmerited grace. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us, we have the imputed righteousness of Christ. And when God looks at us now as followers of him, he delights over us. He rejoices over us. That's how God sees us. And those are hooks and anchors for our faith. As we walk daily in repentance and faith, our eyes can be joyfully and hopefully looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the fish story that's real. That's the fish story that we need. And that's the only fish story that's really worth telling. Because through that story... We can see Jesus and be rescued and be rejoicing and be encouraged each day as we go through the waves of life that we go through. Sitting in the belly of a well-gone man And you turn your back on the hills of wish Cause well for your life have you made him sad Do you want to get out of the big fish Listen to God and follow his plan And you won't be part of the main dish He'll spit you out on the dry land Short of a load now, brother, you're one shot away from the bullseye You are missing the mark on your spiritual walk Started walking away, now you're sinking into the deep Wake up from the sleep, see you're one flash short of a happy meal You are incomplete by your own deceit You turned your back, now you're gone swimming <laughs> Is 
you out on 